seems like it has been forever since we've been in the book of 2 Samuel, and we will review just kind of a, just a few things here, and then we'll cover quite a few areas uh, as well. Um, but it's good to be out uh, tonight, and we'll ask the Lord's blessings upon us this evening. Father, we do pray that you'll meet with us. Lord, you've brought us through so much already this week. Lord, we've seen sicknesses among many and uh, others that have been more serious things, and we're thankful for each one uh, going through, being able to get through these things, and we know that's, that you're the one that's in control of it all. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to give thought to your word tonight, Lord, to concentrate on it. Lord, I pray that what's in here will be beneficial to us. What's brought out will be beneficial to us. And Lord, I pray that you'll be exalted in it all. We just pray that you'll help us in it. Meet with us in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> As we look at 2 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through, 1 through 20, you know, as we look at these, we've gone through a lot of different names uh, uh, and we'll kind of review just a little bit to, to, to realize, get back to, to knowing who's who. Uh, but, you know, how do we distinguish today between people that have the same name? <clears throat> you know, at times we've had, uh, I think, three Jessicas here. We've had uh, Jimmy and James and uh, several uh, others with the same uh, name. Uh, we've had Benny and Benjamin. We've got seniors. We've got juniors. Uh, you know, so in the Bible they use different ways of, of uh, recognizing people, and we'll look at that here in just a second. You know, some people have large families and have a lot of kids, and it's hard to keep up with that. You know, I don't know if you all remember the, a lot of you do. I, I, yeah, I don't think I'm speaking to anybody that wouldn't know, but uh, George Foreman, <clears throat> a famous boxer back in the years, uh, years back, uh, he had 12 children, and five of them were boys. And they all, all had the same name, George. You know, how would you like to call up and you say, hey, I want to speak to George Foreman? And they say, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq. Six. Which one would you like? You know, all being the same. But you know, in the Bible here, they use different ways of identifying people. You, you, sometimes they go by locations. You've got Saul of Tarsus. You've got Joseph of Arimathea. You've got Mary, uh, Magdalene. You've got Mary, uh, uh, you've got Joseph, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. You've got James and John, the sons of uh, Zebedee. You've got Judas Iscariot, and Judas not Iscariot. Uh, you know, so you've got different ways of identifying people. And here we look at, and it talks about uh, Joab, the son of Zeruiah. And who was that? And we've gone all over this before. Lots of times when I look at these, I always think of men being sons of men. But it's actually the son of Zeruiah was David's sister. So we identify who Joab is. So Zeruiah, Zeruiah was David's sister. And remember, she had three sons. We've already gone over these before. Um, you remember there in 2 Samuel, we had uh, the match there that they had between Abner uh, uh, Abner's men and Joab's men. And you remember uh, um, Asahel. Uh, you had the three brothers there. You had Joab, Asahel, and uh, Abishai. Uh, and you remember they had a the, the contest between them, and a bunch of them were killed off on both sides. You remember Ahasphel. If you if you probably go to if you went went to the 
uh, Corinthian Coliseums there. You may have seen his name on all the plaques there because he was the track star. He he won the uh, the hundred meter. He he won the mile, the five k, the ten k. He was fast. Remember we talked about him, and he was out after Abner. And remember Abner said, "Hey, back off. I don't want to kill you. You know, your brother and I have a relationship. I don't want to have to kill you. You go kill some of these other young men. You know, fight with somebody that's your own match, but." back off. You know, he gains on him, gains on him. And you remember um, Abner and his being a, uh, a fighter, a warrior, he waits and he gets close enough. He warned him a couple times and he took that spear and just went backwards and it went through him and killed him. And you remember a little while later, Joab and his brother, they get even. Mm -hmm. They said, hey, you know, they call him back. They find out that he's been there and uh, he goes back thinking that there's, he had talked to David and David left him, uh, let him go uh, in a peaceful manner. They call him back and he doesn't know why, but he's set up and they kill uh, Abner. So we see here that Joab is now the general of David's army. And let's look at, let's read these verses. Second um, Samuel chapter 14 it says now Joab the son of Zeruiah perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom and Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman and said unto her I pray thee feign thyself to be a mourner and put on now mourning apparel and anoint not thyself with oil but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead and come to the king and speak on this manner unto him so Joab put the words in her mouth. And, the, and when the woman of Tekoa spake to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and did obeisance and, and said, Help, O king. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow woman, and mine husband is dead. And, the handmaid, and thy handmaid had two sons, and, they, and the, they two strove together in the field. And there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid. And they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew. And we will destroy the heir also, and so they shall quench my coal which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thine house, and I will give charge concerning thee. And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God, that thou wouldest not suffer revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. Then the woman said, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my lord the king. And he said, Say on. And the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one which is faulty in that the king doth not fetch home again his banished. For we must needs die, 
and are water and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again neither doth god respect any person yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him now therefore that i am come to speak of this thing unto my lord the king it is because the people have made me afraid and thy handmaid said i will now speak unto the king it may be that the king will perform the request of his handmaid for the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the man that would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of god then thine handmaid said the word of my lord the king shall now be comfortable for as an angel of god so is my lord the king to discern good and bad therefore the lord thy god will be with thee then the king answered and said unto the woman hide not from me i pray thee the thing that i shall ask thee and the woman said let my lord the king now speak and the king said it's not the hand of joab with thee in all this and the woman answered and said as the lord liveth my lord the king none can turn to the right hand or to the left from aught that my lord the king hath spoken for thy servant joab he bade me and he put all these words in my mouth uh, in the mouth of thy handmaid to fetch about this form of speech hath thy servant joab done this thing and my lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of god to know all things that are in the earth let's ask god's blessing again lord we do pray thanking you for your word and we pray that you truly will open it up unto us and lord may we see you as who you are lord what a great and wonderful and merciful god we just pray that you'll help us in that in christ's name amen so now like i said joab he is the general of david's army and he goes and he hires an actress she's a saleswoman i guess you could call her as well uh in tacoa this must be hollywood east i guess uh but she's a pretender you know a hypocrite she is well known she's won a bunch of oscars so he goes and gets the best and she's good at what she does joab gives her the script he tells her what to say he tells her what to wear he says don't put on your regular nice makeup and everything. You need to make yourself up like a mourner. I don't know about you, but when I when I read through some of these accounts, I think back about other times when I said, well, this is just a repeat of, of, of this time when somebody did something or a repeat of this other time when they did this. And I think back about Joshua chapter 9. Remember when the, uh, the folks there of Gibeon, they came and they said, hey, we, we, we want a, a treaty with, with you all. We've come from afar. Remember, they had the old uh, wineskins. They had the old clothes. They had the old moldy bread and everything to make it look like. They were pretenders. Uh, and they end up walking away with a, with a peace agreement uh, there in Joshua 9. But we see pretenders throughout the Bible. I mean, you think about how many pretend, how false pretenses have been given out uh, in the Bible, um, remember how Jacob stole Esau's birthright and what he had to go through to, to get that, to deceive his father. But, you know, even in that, even in the, and since we've been studying in Samuel, we've seen pretend, pretenders over and over again. Remember, David pretended to be mad when he went to Gath. And, he was there, and, uh, and then remember Saul. Who was Saul? Saul was the king. But who did he pretend to be? He just pretended to be a commoner and he went to the witch there of Endor. Uh, so we see 
a lot of pretenders, uh, people being deceptive in, in, in really what is, uh, is not true. Uh, we saw, uh, remember Amnon there, he pretended to be sick. When Tamar come in, he violated her. And then, you, then we see, uh, 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 we see Absalom, uh, he's got a festive time going on. He says, you know, I want to have a party to celebrate. I've had a good year. I've made a lot of money off these sheep, and I want everybody coming to it. That was, that was, that was uh, false. His reasoning behind it wasn't to celebrate. His reasoning behind it was to kill Amnon which he did. So we see a lot of pretenders uh, in this. But Miss Tekoa, she is good. She is very good at what she does. She plays the part well. Like I said, Joab has told her exactly what to do. She comes in and she gives reference to David. And she pleads with David to allow her. She said, I have a request. And David says, okay, so what you got? And, uh, you know, what's on your mind? And she starts her act. She says, indeed, I'm a widower. You know, lie. You know, you come dressed up as a lie. You're lying about, uh, it doesn't tell us that, but I mean, it's all a play for her. So we don't know that she was married or not. We don't know that she was a widower or not. We don't really know if she had two sons and one killed the other. Probably not. But she gives the whole, she goes on with this whole tale and David says, the king says, okay. He says, I'll take consideration uh, on this. And she's like, no, no, no. I need something done now, you know. Yeah, you said you'd look at it, but uh, I need you to, you know, to, to look at this, you know, now. And, you know, she tells David the story. And you'd have to think that David's, she's got David's attention. I mean, if somebody comes to you and they start telling you a story and they tell you about all that's gone on and that you're, that you're, one of your sons is dead, you're a widow person, you know, you're in desperate situation, they've got your attention. Kind of like, you know, Randy's talking about fishing this morning, you know, kind of like if we go out fishing, we got our cork out there and nothing's going on with it all day, it's just out there. And all of a sudden it wiggles a little bit. It doesn't go under, but it wiggles a little bit. That gets your attention. Well, she's got David's attention. He's now, he's kind of like, all right, you know, I want to hear more about the story. <clears throat> and she says, my problems have gotten worse. She said, not only have I not only have I lost my husband, I've lost my son. Now they want to kill. They want justice for the death of the one son. They want to kill my other son. And she says, I'm just going from bad to worse. And she said, you know, if they do that, that's not only going to increase my grief and my sorrow, but it's also, it's going to eliminate my means of support. My, eliminate my means of survival. Eliminate the family name. She said, I have no pension. I have no 401 plan. I have no life insurance. I have no social security. I have no assistance at all. Zero. If you take him away, I'll have nothing. I won't survive. She said, you'll quench my only coal that is left. You'll quench my only hope. You know, one time, uh, my best friend growing up, we used to fish a lot. And it didn't matter what kind of weather it was, we were crazy. And uh, 
his mother took us down about a mile and a half to a, a lake and dropped us off, and we took some newspaper and stuff so we could build a fire. Well, we got there, got our poles in the water, and went to build a fire. And you know what? Those newspapers went up real quick, but the wood didn't burn. And, and pretty soon we had done everything we could, and we just had a little ember laying there, and he says, look, I'm going to walk home, and I'll come back with some stuff. And it was cold, very, very cold. And I got looking at that ember, and I was blowing on it and not getting very far and grabbing some little leaves that were laying around, a little paper anywhere, little twigs, you know. And I blew on that like my life depended on it and kept working with it working with it. And when he came back, boy, I had this nice big fire. His mother drove up and had a big fire going and everything. But, you know, I almost felt like I may freeze to death out here if I don't. But that's the situation this woman was in. That little coal that was left, she said, if they put that out, I'm done. I'm finished. But there seems to be no compassion from her relatives. Do they really want justice? Is that what they're looking for? Were they really concerned uh, uh, about, uh, about, that, about having justice done? Or is there something in it for them? You know, was there an inheritance possibly? Was there land that may come up now uh, to the next of kin? You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, Demetrius, the, the coppersmith. You know, was he really concerned about idols or anything else? Or, or uh, Paul uh, causing an uproar? No, it was affecting his pocketbook. You know, he could care less really about the, about the goddess Diana. You know, it was affecting his pocketbook and sometimes that's the way it is with people uh, so they weren't really concerned about about any false idols they were more concerned about their income you know how quick people thoughts of compassion are outweighed by the love of money uh, you know like when a woman took the costly ointment and anointed Christ for his burial what was the, what was the words they said why was this waste of it, of this, when the money could have been, it could have been sold and could have been given to the poor? Was there really concern for the poor? You know, doesn't seem like it. But anyway, the king, he says, you know, go on home and I'll check all this out and I'll make a decision on it. And like I said, you look on there in verse 9 and 10, uh, she says, oh, please make a decision on that now. If anything's wrong, let the blame fall on me and not on you. The king says, hey, if you have any trouble, just let me know and I'll take care of it. She is persistent. Verse 11 there, she says, I need a signed pardon. I need it now. The mob's liable to come around before you can make a decision on it, and they're liable to take the life of my son and kill him. And he goes on, <clears throat> and he gives her that pardon. He says, and he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. She gets her pardon. She gets her oath from him that nothing's going to happen. Kind of like one of those irrevocable pledges, you know, hey, this is from the king. It's signed by me. Nothing's going to happen at this point. Well, then she goes on into 
verse 12, she says, then the, then the woman said, let thine handmaid, handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my Lord, the king. And he says, say on. To me, it's kind of like one of those Columbo moments, you know? When I, I, I've got one more question. You know, she come in and she had that request, and now she says, I've got one more thing that I, I need to talk about. Well, this is what Joab has sent her for. All the other was just uh, a prelude coming up to this, but now she wants to get down to what Joab wants. So Miss uh, Tekoa is uh, now saying, and I think she's kind of, in a sense, the, the, in, the, in the phrase that people use, kind of pressing your luck the way this is worded. You know, she's gotten the pardon that she said she wanted. Now she's asking for what Job has hired her to ask for, to tell the king that his decision process is faulty. That's kind of a scary thing to do when you're speaking to the king. But she goes on and she says, you know, you'll protect my son for my benefit but you're not devising a means for the people of God by not bringing back Absalom, your successor, who is banished? He's in a foreign country. He's exile. He's subject to idolatry. You know, so she's kind of pressing on the king here. She says, as water spilled on the ground cannot be recovered, So everyone is like that, talking about life, talking about death. You can't recover it. You know, once we get to that point where we cross over, it's over. You know, just as you dump water on the ground out there in the, in the dirt and all, you can't get it back. Now, whether she's making reference to, to uh, uh, Absalom, I mean to... Uh, uh, to, uh, to Amnon you know he's dead that's over he's gone there's nothing that can be done about that but you know every one of us is still going to face that time you know she's saying I will king I'm going to die your servants are going to die and king just because you're king doesn't mean that you're not going to die you're going to die as well so everyone is going to die You know, there's a lot of gospel in this. You know, as she talks about this, God has no respect of persons. Doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're male, or if you're female, all are going to die. You know, she's quoting there out of Hebrews. It's appointed unto a man wants to die. And after the, the judgment and after that the judgment. You know, so you can't recover from it. So a lot of truth is what she's saying. Now, whether she knew any of this or not, Joab has put her up to this. So Joab is the one that's accredited to do this speech here. You know, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it talks about where the tree falls, that where, that's where it's going to lay. Same way with the state of our soul at death. Whatever state we die in, that's where our soul is going to be throughout eternity. There's no paying or praying anybody out of that state. Psalm 49, 
Um, you know, it talks about more or less that, you know, in many situations, people live like they're going to live forever. And she's trying to prove a point here that, hey, David, you're going to die as well. And we need a successor. When you die, somebody needs to take your place. So you need to give thought to that. And she's pleading Joab's case to bring uh, Absalom back. Uh, and what she's saying is, if you don't do that, there's liable to be a dispute when you pass on, and even a civil war. And, you know, so in a sense, you need to have this set up. You need to have a, a will made saying what's going to happen. And you can see even in today, you know, without a will, what happens? I mean, even with a will, you know, people come out and they fight over all kinds of things. There's disputes. Without it, a will, it's, it's even worse. But David goes on and he says, the king says, I want to ask you a question now. He gets all the way down. We see here, like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in verse 14. And if I was to uh, give a title to this, I would look at, the, at there and, and we'll just read it. It says, for we must needs die in our, as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again neither doth God respect any person yet doth he devise means and if I was to put a title on anything I would say yet he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him I guess the point I'm trying to make is what a great God we have he has made means over and over and over. He's great, made the greatest means in the salvation of our souls. And what a, what a glorious thing. And we'll look at this. Uh, and as, as, as we go on here, you know, David says, I want to ask you a question. And, and he ends up doing that. Uh, and he says, I want you to tell me the truth. And she says, uh, she says, okay. Uh, ask the question. David says, did Joab put you up to this? I mean, he saw right through this as he got into it, and she says, and what does she do? She spills the beans at that point. Twice she says, oh yeah, Joab's behind us. He, he told me everything to say, everything to do, and it's all of Joab. You're a very wise king. Yeah, I would be backtracking too if I had just accused the king of something, and now he saw through that. Uh, but we see here that God has shown mercy and forgiveness to David for his sin. And now Joab wants David to show mercy to Absalom. And I think as we looked at this part of the chapter, it tells us a lot about our God. Yet he doth devise means. You know, we, we saw there in Genesis 3 how that when Adam and Eve sinned, what'd they do? Hey, we better start sewing up some fig leaves. God came in and he says, no. So that's not going to work. He said, I'll give you a covering. And he, and he clothed him with uh, animal skin. Even when Cain slew Abel, God devised means for him. He says, this is more than I can bear. People find me, they're going to kill me. And he says, no, I'm going to put a mark on you. We'll protect you. You know, and when I look through all the different means or the different devices that God has used I think about, 
in Egypt, how were, when they were when the children of Israel was there in Egypt for those 400 years, and he made a means for them to come out of Egypt. If you think about that, that's just got to blow your mind. That after 400 years, somebody's going to let a million people walk out. You know, they weren't gone very far or very long. And somebody said, wait a minute. Nobody's cooking the food. Nobody's taking out the garbage. Nobody's doing all these chores, all this work that needs to be done. We let them all go? No. I mean, you think about God devising means. That, that's just, that just kind of blows me away that God would work in, in Pharaoh's heart like that and devise that means to get them out of there. You know, and then we see after that, we, we, which references are given here about the cities of refuge, how God devised means, how means were devised that hey, you accidentally took somebody's life. Hey, there's means devised to where you can run off to that city. Now you have to stay in that city. And we'll see that later on in Samuel, perhaps. Uh, but you had to stay in that city until the death of the high priest. But we see all these means that God has devised over the years. In, the, in Ezekiel 18, you know, we're, we're told over and over, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But you know, also we see there, God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Randy taught not too long ago about some people having the idea that God's just up there waiting for people to mess up, you know, so he can so he can crush them, so he can punish them. That's not the case. God has devised means. What a wonderful God we serve. That familiar verse to all of us, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe it believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, what did these people want from her son? They wanted justice. We want justice. They had no mercy. But what a great God we have. He satisfied justice with his mercy for us. What a great thing. You know, our God delights in mercy. We see there uh, also... If you will, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 18. It says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself, by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath comp, uh, has committed uh, unto us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God what a wonderful God we have. But you see, in every one of these situations, those devices, those means were all of God. Every one of them. From the first part in Genesis up until even today in which we enjoy. We celebrate the death of Christ. We celebrate people being reconciled to God. 
God's justice satisfied, God's mercy still continuing on. What a great God we have. You know, Micah says, our God delights in mercy. We'll turn over there to Micah chapter 7. We'll just read a couple verses there and we'll wrap this up. Micah 7 and verse 18. This is a good question for, for us. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their iniquities into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days uh, from the days of old. So we see here a wonderful God that we have, and we need to look at. Yet doth he doth. Who is that he? Yet doth he. Yet doth God devise means. We don't make any of those means. We don't make those decisions. God has set that up. In the person of his son. And I guess just lastly, looking at things, we need to have some of those characteristics, not deceitful characteristics, like that woman of Tekoa, but we need to have some of those characteristics. She was persistent. She wanted her son safe. She wanted a pardon, stating that. You know, we want our kids safe in this life, but we also want them safe in the next life. We need to be persistent in our prayers for our children. You know, she wanted a confirmed, irrevocable statement pardon so as we look at as water spilled on the ground cannot be gathered back up death is final we need not spend any time praying for the dead that's done but for those that are still alive we need to pray for them and once death comes, there's a great gulf. Those that are outside of Christ, there's a great gulf between. And we need to give thought to that. But I guess above all, what I point I want to get across tonight is we want to celebrate our great God because he is the one that is behind it all. We can see the failures that we've looked at tonight of men over and over and over. We don't see any failures in our God. He has been faithful in everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you're always good. Lord, even when we don't deserve it, and we really never deserve it, but you're gracious to us, and we're thankful for it. Lord, we continue to pray for our loved ones, for our children, Lord, that you'll save their souls. Lord, we want to be persistent in pleading with you. Lord, we ask it over and over. Lord, that's a, a daily 
desire that we have that we pray for over and over. Lord, we do pray for our loved ones, Lord, that you'll save their souls. And Lord, we just praise you that you're so good to us each and every day. Lord, may we not grumble and complain about things that go on, but may we look to you and see that you've devised means. You've devised a mean through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great and wonderful thing. We're thankful for it and praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen.